0: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Kansas City guitarist Bo Bledsoe. We talked with him during early May 2020 about this strange new COVID-19 world of no live music. He performs and records classical music, jazz, and folkloric music from around the world as he seeks to integrate different musical cultures with diverse audiences. And he's toured extensively throughout Europe, Russia, South America, and North America. He's got a great story. Get to know him.
1: Well, hey, thanks for taking a minute out and uh, to talk with the show, Uh, and I guess first and foremost, how are you holding up?
2: Oh, I'm doing well, Uh, you know, like all musicians, I'm kind of stuck at home, but I'm taking advantage of the opportunity to uh, teach my kids music, so I've I've got a young bass player who's about 10 years old, and he's doing real well, so uh, we've been playing a lot of music together.
1: Oh, that's wonderful, man. First and foremost, I want to ask you, along with, you know, what you're doing with your son, are you doing anything else as far as projects or any, anything that you're doing during this quarantine time?
2: Uh, I've got something coming up in June. We were going to do it on May 16th, but we thought it would probably be too soon. There's um, a chef that lives in my neighborhood and has a, a really large home and garden we were going to do a, um, a concert outdoors and do sort of distanced picnic blankets that were preset with food and uh, have that be a ticketed event. It looks like we're going to do that in June. And I've been doing a lot of studio work. I'm working with a gal who does a lot of sync library things for Universal Music and recording her parts, you know, just kind of switching over to things I can do at home Uh, Then I've got an online thing with a a wonderful violinist from uh, Hungary named Christian Patu in June that we're putting together that will be a live stream concert.
1: Let's go back to the beginnings of your life. You grew up in Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, Mm -hmm. Talk to me how you started out music and how jazz became what you really ultimately got interested in.
2: You know, To be quite honest, I really don't see myself as a jazz musician, but I work with a lot of jazz musicians. You know, and I play at a lot of jazz venues. Gosh, I've always been more of a classical chamber musician with sort of a a bent towards folkloric music. I live in Kansas City, so most of the musicians are jazz guys, and um, I love playing with them. I mean, I grew up with, uh, you know, a lot of country music from the 1950s on up to maybe about 1972 with my grandma, and that's actually what I'm working with with my son is teaching him the really old songs, but I didn't really get into uh playing jazz per se till i um uh, till I moved to Kansas City in ninety three
1: so what brought you to Kansas City?
2: Well, you know, I was looking for grad school back in ninety two and was looking at cities like Austin and you know New York and different Different cities around the U.S. And I came here. I had a friend that was at the Art Institute at in Kansas City. And I went to the Mutual Musicians Foundation one evening and just couldn't believe that there was a venue where you could play all night till sunup. And then I uh, went to the Nelson Atkins Museum and just saw that there was a lot of work. And when I moved here, I never had to have a job. You know, I, I was able to work as a musician immediately and have continued until now, <laughs> you know, throughout those years here in Kansas City. But, yeah, I was just really drawn to the town. It, it seemed like a, a perfect balance of, you know, someone like me. And, you know, I have a home and a mortgage and a family, but I'm a musician. You know, I can participate in the a, in a real estate and and, and not just be destitute all the time. The cost of living is low enough but there's plenty of work and there's plenty of challenges artistically.
1: What was the first live show you ever saw that made you think you'd want to become a musician?
2: Well in my family it wasn't it you know, it was a, a musical southern family where everyone would sing and of course there's yeah, church it was, music. Really not a choice. It was really um You know, everyone was musical, and I'm the same way with my family. They have to learn how to play, they have to practice every day, but it doesn't necessarily have to be their vocation. So we had lots of musicians in our family that were maybe architects or, you know, worked in the medical field, but they were musical. So, yeah, my first memories were really, you know, my mom and grandma just singing together, doing the harmony thing. and um, Yeah, but we did have Charles Thomas in Little Rock, it was, uh, you know, very famous jazz pianist, one of the Memphis Five, and I, I used to go listen to him at least once a week. He had a huge influence on me.
1: Yeah, you know, and the one thing too about your history is that you know you traveled around the world playing music, and now that we're in this very weird, surreal, once in a lifetime lurch of not being able to do that. Do you have memories that you draw upon right now, thinking, thinking about certain shows and musicians and people you played with?
2: Yeah, that's kind of my work process is is traveling and living in areas of the world for prolonged periods of time and just trying to learn their songs. I've been doing that since my early twenties. That that's what I'm about. But you know, thanks to uh, webcams and a good internet speed. I still talk to everyone and I'm trying to plan a concert that would be online where we would have kind of a reunion of this network that goes all over the globe. And, uh, we could all at least sort of check into one another and maybe play some music for one another soon. Um, but yeah, it's something I, I missed a whole lot.
1: So, Obviously, you've talked about life in Kansas City. You live here. You've been here for a while. What do you like the best about Kansas City?
2: For being an artist, again, it's that kind of Goldilocks zone, which is still going on, where you can have a pretty decent life playing in just a local market. You know, I used to tour quite a bit, but you know, after having my first child, I started my uh, my nonprofit group. Uh, Ensemble Iberica, which is now in its seventh season, which is, of course, all canceled at this point, you know, you can carve out a really nice life as as an artist here. People people get out of the house and they go listen. That's just the culture here. Maybe it's it's a, a shadow of the, the jazz era where there used to be, you know, 200-something clubs. But uh, people leave their homes and they go listen and they're very supportive the audiences are never the issue. Um, that's that's what I love about it. And then the music kind of sounds like the food. It's one of those weird sounds where the culinary thing and the sound that it makes are really similar.
1: Let me ask you this kind of generically. What do you like best about just being a musician? What's the most pleasing part of that process for you?
2: Oh, the best part. I would say that feeling when you wake up in the morning and being excited to go to work I think is uh, just intangibly wonderful. I I really like, you know, I know a lot of people do jobs that they don't like and that they dread and they don't want to go to. But uh, I'm excited when I wake up in the morning and every week is different. There's some new thing going on. There's some new thing that's on one of the burners that's developing. There's some old things in the past. It's um a very gratifying career for me.
1: We're gonna to get to a point here where at some point, I know everything's kind of in an ambiguity stage right now, but we're gonna get back to live music at some point. And when we do, what do you hope both the musician and the crowd realizes about this absence of live music?
2: I've been You know, I'm sheltered with a bass player and we've been just going around playing these old songs, these comforting old American songs to people in our neighborhood, just, you know, from the sidewalk, just acoustically. Um, And then a friend of mine and I, we are investing in an old automotive trailer, like a two axle trailer. We're going to build a little outdoor stage on that thing. So I'm kind of thinking, you know, like the the 19th century medicine shows sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, I've been having really intense human musical experiences, but on a very small acoustic scale, just in people's yards, which is something we just never really seemed to, to have time for, was to sit down and sing some songs for one another. I hope we retain that because... On many levels, this has been one of the happiest times of my life just because of the the human relationship and the intimacy with my immediate family. Just being able to get out of the house, throw the bass in the truck, and uh, go visit some people in the neighborhood and play them a few songs. It's, I never did that before. And, you know, not playing music for necessarily money, just to make people feel a little bit better, which it does. It has a profound effect.
1: Well, I guess the thing about all of this that I've realized since this all began is that it's all life, after all, and who mutate into positive. If you're positive, it's going to it's going to come out to a positive. If you're not, it's going to come out. We all are who we are up to this point, and you just have to embrace for embrace this for what it is. And everything's got a silver lining. And you know, I think the thing that's always interesting about musicians, and especially even jazz musicians, is that it's all improv. Everything that you're thrown into is this cauldron of never doing it the same way again. It's always done once, and that's it. And that's what we're doing right now.
2: Artists are especially adept situations like the adept at this this kind of thing because we have a very unstable life and we're used to it. So you know, I had about a month of being kind of artistically frozen and adjusting. And then I began to thaw, but uh, you're absolutely right. There, there is, you know, my my wife has a, a a normal job, and her whole company is just desperately trying to claw back to the past, and it's kind of sad to watch because it's not happening. Yeah, no. Uh, no one there, no one there seems to be able to accept that, and it's, it's 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 sad to watch. <laughs> I've
1: had a lot of conversations about you know getting back to where we were or whatever. March 13th is gone, March 12th, March 11th. That, yeah, it, it, and we could, we could term this new thing BC can become before Corona because at the end of the day, that era is gone, and whatever we did and what however we lived our lives is going to be permanently altered. And you know, and in a lot of ways, too. Our lives are like that. I mean, when you become an adult, of course, you know, when you get married or you have a child or you go through the loss of a parent or a family member, your life is permanently altered, and these things that are happening right now is almost like a global, you know, mourning slash revival, so to speak, and you got to take it for what it's worth, man, uh, because At the end of the day, you're the only one that has to answer yourself. But I think what's refreshing from what I'm hearing from you is, and I've heard this from other musicians, especially locally here in Kansas City, the applause and the appreciation on a very small crowd level is so much more satiating. It could be the most pleasing experience that's happened in years and years and years for people.
2: Yeah, it's it's a novel uh, experience for a lot of people to experience music in a small setting, but that's you know billions of years of evolution. That's how humans do it. Uh, music is best experienced like that, um, you know, like a like a caveman experience around a fire or something. It's it's uh, uh, the best way to perform. So yeah, that's kind of a new thing for a lot of people. So my
1: final question to you is this, kind of getting to the essence of who you are. Everyone has a perception of you, your family, your friends, your fans, colleagues, that you're living your life. Who do you think you are?
2: Oh, that's heavy.
1: Yeah. I, I save it uh, for the last. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you know, who I am is, is uh, even at the core... A pretty malleable thing. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a very different person than I was five years ago. But um then right right now I'm just honestly I'm all about this ten year old kid. <laughs> like I'm really enjoying being a father. Um and, and trying to pass down you know, I started playing professionally at fourteen and he's being sort of pushed into this through a weird circumstance. So he's, he's 10, and, you know, he's he's joining a very good community of, of musicians that are, really care about him. I've moved more towards a, a role of mentorship the last couple of years, and that's where I'm feeling I'm going. Ne- not necessarily playing music for my own gain, but I'm having real strong urges to pass it on and move it on and step aside, you know, because that, that's coming too. You know, I'm almost 50. And um, that, that's sort of really where I want to go now. So, yeah, I would say mentorship at this point.
1: When this is all said and done, I'd love to, you know, see you live. But I'd love to catch you live.
2: All right. I'll see you soon.
0: Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in Arkansas, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Bo for his time, music, and his stories. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Dovino on the iTunes Store. Visit NeonJazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the NeonJazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends.
2: Neon Jazz.